Hello, folks. This is podcast number four, Tomorrow's View. I have a great guest this week. Uh, as I like to call our guest, it's Nashville's favorite son. <laughs> <laughs> Harry Allen, uh, who uh, grew up in, in Nashville, uh, who is currently co-founder and uh, number two at Studio Bank. Uh, he's with me here today. Harry, welcome to Thank Tomorrow's you. View. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Well, let me tell you why I asked you to do okay. the, the interview. Um, you are obviously a coaching client of mine, mm -hmm. but uh, I would have asked you to do this podcast regardless. Um, frankly, there are so many things I could highlight about you that I think are noteworthy. You personally impress me uh, on, on so many fronts, but mm -hmm. your integrity and your character mm -hmm. come top of mind. Mm -hmm. um, I think you are one of those few people who unquestionably, I mean, you're not perfect, but you, you aim to really do the right thing. Uh, and I it try. doesn't matter when people are watching or not. And I know your faith is very important to you. And um, I'm just impressed the way that you carry yourself and, and who you are as a person. Secondly, your service to your community. Mm. Um, I honestly don't know of anyone uh, in town who is more involved than Harry Allen. I mean, it, it's frankly astonishing from nonprofits uh, to being a trustee at Belmont. I know you were on the committee for the latest uh, yeah, search the for the, search. the presidential search. Yeah. And you have a number of board seats that you sit on, mm -hmm. on top of being a, a, a father uh, a, and a it's husband. It's astonishing, not obnoxious, right, Scott? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's definitely not obnoxious. It is astonishing. <laughs> And then the third thing is, um, I really do, you know I keep pushing on this, and mm -hmm. partly it's I'm giving you a hard time, but I do think you, you have a bright future if mm -hmm. you want it in politics. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we'll talk a little bit about that uh, here in, as the show gets going. But first, mm -hmm. I have to ask, how in the world do you start a bank? Yeah, um, you know, not many people do it, and I think the barrier of entry is really capital. So starting a bank's... Yeah. A lot like starting any any company, you yeah. have to raise capital, um, put a team, a, a leadership team yep. together, and and uh, you know cast a vision that's compelling. Why do we need another bank in a market? Well, why do we need another bank? Well, wait. Let me. So, <laughs> so the the difference in starting a bank is the level of capital required, huh. um, and the regulatory framework which okay. which um we'll give some perspective say. yeah because I, so I don't know that and for, i'm sure most don't yep for studio bank um in order to compete in nashville yeah your lending limit is a function of your capital and so we knew to to compete we needed to raise at least 40 million dollars okay. to start the bank that's and that's a big lift for a lot of people of course it is yes um and we wanted at studio we wanted nashville to actually own a majority of, of the capital of when you of say national you mean citizens oh, here really in our private individuals yep so most banks you know um, pitch to institutional investors out of New York Chicago Boston Philadelphia yeah. and we did some of that as well but we wanted at least half of our capital the 20 of the 40 to come from Nashville um, we ended up raising I think about 36 million from local individuals. Wow. Um, we have 524 total shareholders. Wow. Um, so this was not like a handful of healthcare execs that basically underwrote the bank. This is a broad swath of Absolutely. people write, writing, you know, reasonable size checks, yep. but 
nothing egregious to get this bank started. No, and that was intentional. We knew um, that there was an opportunity for, for Nashville to have a bank and brand that reflected the diversity, the creativity, the energy, quite yeah. frankly, of yeah. the city that we've become. And so we wanted 12th South represented, Bell Mead, hmm. um, Jefferson Street, uh, small business, large corporate, and everything in between. So um, what market opportunity did you see existed mm-hmm. other than Nashville, obviously, yeah. Yeah. being the darling of, of most cities across America right now in terms of growth? What, what did you see as an opportunity yeah. and how are you unique? How is Studio Bank different? Yep. Um, so the opportunity, I think if, if you've been in Nashville, for a while, you you may know that you know we've been known as the Wall Street of the South in the past. So banking, insurance, financial services has always been a meaningful sector. Um, what what I saw with the exit of Avenue Bank, which is where I worked prior to starting Studio, is that the local banks that started in that 2000 to 2008 time frame were all positioned really well for either an exit or to become really acquisitive and um, start to look like a a regional versus a local bank. And so I saw an opportunity to retain local banking and local decision-making in a market that has demanded that for for decades. Um, And on top of that, you know, I got to to start a company with friends that I'd worked with um, from from Avenue Bank. So so to do something really hard, but with people that but how did those discussions go down? Were you guys at lunch eating barbecue, <laughs> and then one day you just looked at each other and go, you know what, we should start a bank? No, so um, Aaron Dorn, who's our CEO, um, reached out to me soon after the, the merger of Avenue and Pinnacle was announced and invited me to coffee and said, hey, I think we should start a bank. And my first response was, I think you're, you're crazy. I had a three-month-old at home and a wife still on maternity leave. Oh, wow. Um, and two weeks later, you know, I, I was convinced that um, the timing was phenomenal. Um, I think this market speaks for itself. And just really, really excited about presenting an, a, a, a leadership team to Nashville that re- reflected the, what's what's best and most optimistic. So who do you serve? Like, it, you know, I, I, I assume it's broad, but mm-hmm. if you were to pick the profile of the target customer, are you going after businesses? Or are you going after the retail customer? Yeah. What do they look like? And yeah. why would I choose you versus all the other banks? Yeah, so, um, you know, our, our purpose as we articulate it is to empower creators. And so we are primarily focused on business owners and yeah. the businesses that they that they run, um, but everyone's a creator. You know, what makes humans different than ants and dogs and all these other species is this ability to dream up something and go make it happen. Um, But that process from dream to reality requires partnership, capital, um, you know, many resources being leveraged and and a bank is situated to to provide some of that partnership. Um, About 80% of our bit bank is commercial um, banking. And okay. so it's primarily a commercial and private bank. Um, and what's different about Studio than you know other banks that will say we serve business owners and high net worth individuals is we really enjoy leveraging that coalition of investors, 
our local board of directors and advisory board. Um, our advisory board is fifty-five members. Fifty-five. Super diverse. Wow. Um, okay. You know, it's it's like joining a club or a there's a membership approach to being a part of Studio Bank, and we leverage all of those connections to make our clients more successful. So, so give me a sense of the scale of the bank and some of your growth yeah. uh, metrics, because I know you're excited about that. Super excited. So when we were planning the bank, we knew that we would enter as the 65th bank in the Nashville MSA. So, the, so the there last are 64 place. others. <laughs> okay. Yes, last place. <laughs> right. when, you started. when you when started. When we started. And how many years ago was that? That was three years ago, June 2018. Okay. Um, so three years later, you know, three and a half years later, we're the 24th largest wow. in the market. Um, we're about 500 million in total assets. 500 million yep. total assets. Yep. Outgrown banks that have been here 50 years, out, outgrown some really large national players that are trying to claim a stake in the market. And uh, that's it's inc- really exciting. That's incredible. And yeah. Other kind of growth uh, metrics that are important for a bank? Yeah, so total assets is how most banks characterize size and scale. Um, And so we're about 500 million total assets. Total deposits is north of 400. yeah, four hundred million. It's hard to say. <laughs> it's, it's hard to even even articulate, it is, right? It is. So the you know the and what's been the loan uh, track record for the bank? Yeah, so loan growth has has been really phenomenal. I think the sector's projecting about a percent and a half loan growth in, in commercial lending. I mean, we're north of thirty. And bad loans. How? What's the profile look? We, you know, again, I it's embarrassing or not embarrassing to say I'm yeah. really proud of this, but zero loans, zero uh, thirty days past due or more. So it's a pristine. Uh, so the balance sheet is just as clean as, as can be. Wow. That's, yeah, we uh, recruit for experience. You know, these are bankers that know what they're doing, um, bankers who are known to the market and known to Nashville, and we're um, really benefiting from putting an elite team together. That. That's uh, remarkable. Yeah. Um, and you just, just got out of your kind of, uh, not quarantine, but probationary <laughs> period or something like that. Is that, don't all banks have a gestation period? That, that yes. Yeah. So if you're familiar um, with banking and bank startups, the first three years is called the de novo period. So for that first three year period, you are visited um, by the regulators more frequently. Right. Um, and, and, you know, they don't want you to fail because you're taking deposits from the community. And so they, they stand pretty close to you. But we have graduated. We're over three years old. And it was really fun to announce at our shareholder meeting that That's we're no longer in de novo. And so what, what does that mean now in terms of next steps for the bank? You're at 500 million assets. Mm-hmm. Um, you're three years in. Mm-hmm. You're growing. You have a brand. Where do you hope the bank will be in another three years? Yeah, you know, I think that the um, there there are multiple options for for growth. I think that more of the same is probably what you'll see over the next three okay. years. So organic growth, um, where we're able to recruit fantastic bankers who have um, established books of business that would follow them. I think that's what you would would see um, from Studio Bank. Um, we have opened a loan production office uh, in Williamson County, so 
for much of the first three years, we've been in one location. Okay. Um, and we still have only one branch, um, which makes that growth even that much more phenomenal that um, we've grown to the 24th largest out of one office. Um, but yeah, you may see, um, you know, some additional team members joining. Um, but I think, you know, that 500 million to a billion uh, growth will will come from and, and do you think the ultimate because obviously this is a business and you're yep. a shareholder and you're on the founding team do you want to someday go public or would you like to be bought and is that <laughs> even something that is I mean I, I'm sure liquidity yeah. is something that's important to everyone but uh, what are your thoughts on that yeah I mean so disclaimer about forward-looking statements here right right um, now I think that we have been very clear in the capital raise and, and when this question has been presented before that you know our dream scenario is longevity so how do we create value for our, our shareholders um, but all stakeholders our employees um, this Nashville community um, for years to come I'm gonna work 20 years somewhere Right. Um, and I'd, I'd rather it be the, the organization that I helped start. And I think Nashville as a market um, has a lot of growth potential. I think that, you know, we've seen a really great example in Pinnacle, who right. celebrated 20 years ago, I think, last year yeah. um, from an upstart. I don't know if that was their intention, um, a longevity play, but, uh, you know, I think that Nashville deserves a local bank for years and years to come. Great. Well, let's talk a little bit uh, about leadership and entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. do, do you consider yourself an entrepreneur? You know, so when Aaron asked, do you want to start a bank with me? My very first response was, I'm not an entrepreneur. And he huh. called BS on that. <laughs> okay. um, because I'd already started a charter school here in Nashville as a founding board chair with a fabulous head of school. Um, I, you know, really started the vertical in nonprofit banking at Avenue Bank that didn't exist before I got there. Um, and so I have now come to understand that I enjoy building things. And so, yes, I'm an entrepreneur. You're a creator. I am a creator, Scott. <laughs> I own it. Well, I think at this point, um, you'd have to be honest and, and, and look at the scorecard. The fact that you've started a bank from scratch and built it to 500 million in assets. Right would pretty much qualify you <laughs> as an entrepreneur. So I think we can go ahead and bestow that. Yeah, I think I, I am. Yeah, I think, I think I you am. are. Okay, good. What's the hardest part about being an entrepreneur? Yeah, um, there are many, many hard parts. Um, I, t I tell people it's a journey of, of sacrifice, not glamour. Mm -hmm. um, and there are lots of sacrifices. So, you know, the, the time um, that, that it took away from my family, and I have a fantastic partner and wife and three adorable children yeah um, but it was a grind um, I think um, you know in envisioning people that had to be a part in your mind and having them say no was really hard um, and you have to just keep the vision that you've cast in front of you and say it's worth it whether folks come along or not and trust that the right people will we'll select, but that was hard um, to get no's. Yeah, and um, your wife, did, did she at first support this, or was that a big sales pitch? Um, no, she, she at first supported it. Yeah. You know, I don't think she really, so her questions were, 
will you get paid and do we have insurance? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, those are good so questions. So I was on I was on Cobra, you okay. know, once I quit um, yeah. Yeah. my job. So we had insurance and we raised about four point three million in seed capital okay. to pay the founding team through the application phase. So I had a paycheck. Okay. So those two requirements were satisfied and she uh, has a tremendous amount of belief that I can do whatever I set my mind to, um, even when I'm not 100% convinced. So I was really grateful for that. That's that fantastic. Support. Well, let's talk about leadership because yep. um, it's something you know that you and I talk a lot about uh, and something that we work on. What does leadership mean to you? Yeah, great question. Um, you know, leadership is about impact and influence. Um, you know, I, I think that there is positional power. There's people that have a certain amount of power because of the seat they're in. Um, but I don't think that's a requirement of leadership. I think leadership um, can be found in, in any seat within an organization. If people are empowered um, to share ideas, to influence others, to make an impact, you can lead. Um, and it's interesting, I, I've been leading ever since I can remember. Um, you know, fourth grade citizenship award, senior class president, alumni president at Belmont, trustee, like it's just wow. always been. In Was that intentional or is it just part of your gift and personality yeah, profile? I, when I believe in something, um, I do um, have an ability to carry people along with me. Yeah. Um, and, and inspire uh, effort to achieve something together. Right. Yeah, and right. I think maybe it comes from my, my dad was a pastor, my mom was a teacher, so this um, service orientation is really high and always has been. Um, and you, you hear people talk about servant leadership, synonymous right. with leadership in general. Absolutely, so when you think of, you've obviously worked for leaders, mm -hmm. and I'm sure you've seen good ones, mm -hmm. and you've seen bad ones. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What do you think the, the common uh, flaw, I guess let's call it, where you see leaders who fail? Where, where do they fail? Where does leadership yeah. fall down most, most frequently in, in your experience? So um, there's a difference between knowers and learners. And I think leaders who fail stop learning. Mm, I love that. Stop growing, I stop listening. Yeah. And those that continue to, to have... Um, lives of leadership and even legacies. There are people that lead after death, right? Um, we're still quoting Martin Luther King and John Lewis and love it. others. Um, they never stop learning. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I, I love the way that you, you uh, describe that. So you mentioned your childhood and, and mm -hmm. that you were a leader. Um, so let's talk about your childhood. So yep. growing up in Nashville, yeah. uh, you've seen it change tremendously. But what was childhood like for you? Yeah, childhood was great. And, and you're interviewing me like two weeks before my 40th. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, it's time um, for so yeah, I mean, You're halfway home. <laughs> we, did not, we did not have a ton. Um, but in my mind, as I think about my childhood, I had everything I needed and many of the things I wanted. Yeah. Um, I had two parents who were fantastic role models. I'm the youngest of three okay. uh, kids, and so I had an older brother and an older sister to look up to, much older. My brother's six years older. And he's in politics. He is. He's running for lieutenant governor in Georgia. Oh, wow. Yeah. 
Uh, Democrat? Democrat, yes. Um, when is that race? It's, I think it's March of next year. Okay. He's currently in the House of Representatives. Wow, okay. Um, but he had his own journey and path, uh-huh. you know, um, to get there. None of us were perfect. We've made yeah. many, many mistakes. Um, I just can't see you mischievous. <laughs> well, I wasn't. I was the perfect. I mean, you must no, have been. I mean, seriously, I can't even no. imagine you. You know, I bet you did your homework. I, I bet did. you ate dinner. I did. I did. And that's a whole nother session. Okay. Um, because perfectionism yeah. is real. Yeah. And I think that um, people just want to be affirmed and loved. Yeah. And you go about getting that affirmation yeah. and love in different ways. When, is there ever a time where you feel like you can really let your hair down? I think like what you see is it, that's it. It is. It is. It is. It is. I mean, because you're I, always so put together, right? You, so I suit. went to kindergarten in a blazer no, and you a did briefcase. Not. <laughs> I can tell you were the Michael P. Keaton. Uh, I love it. I used to, you know, uh, <laughs> I didn't know what I wanted to be when I grew up, but I knew I'd be in a suit. That, is, that <laughs> so. I mean, honestly, I can just see you strutting into kindergarten with that. Um, so did you have confidence as a kid that you'd just be successful? You just weren't sure why? I did. My mother, in particular, yeah. just drilled into us. She, she would always say she had very limited choices for right. a career in life. And if nothing else, she was going to teach her kids that there's nothing that's unavailable to yeah. you. You can be absolutely yeah. whatever you want to be. And um, what did you she convinced us. What did you dream of being? I, I, my brother and sister had clear kind of aspirations and dreams at different points in life. It changed. I never did. Okay. I just knew that I wanted to make a difference. Okay. Um, a mentor of mine early on, I think middle school or high school, talked about success versus significance. Yeah. And I, I just knew that I wanted to lead a life of significance. And yeah. um, I, I knew I wanted to help others. Yeah. But I didn't know exactly how that would shape. So I, I'd like to think that I'm perceptive and observant. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm noticing you're black. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait. Um, so let's talk about uh, race. Yes. Uh, as an African American, yeah. uh, growing up in the South, mm-hmm. have you experienced racism? I have. Um, I have. And, um, you know, I think especially for a younger African American who, you know, we studied civil rights. We didn't live through it. We, sure. You know, in my mind, I thought we had come so far and honestly speaking we have right um but then when you're pulled over and you're this has happened to you oh yeah in within the last five years so if someone pulls you over for no reason for no reason yeah do you get nervous i i do um that's that's terrifying i do yeah so yeah i mean and so that happened, um, and that was super unfortunate. I, I was at a red light, the light turned green, so I go, and then there's immediately flashing lights, and at first the um, cop said I didn't have my seatbelt on, which I did, and I said, look at the three car seats in my backseat, I don't drive anywhere without right. my, and you know, ran the tags, I was delayed, almost late picking up my kids, um, wow. and there was really no reason, the only thing I could think of is I just bought my vehicle with the drive-out tag. Maybe I didn't belong in that car, Scott. Because it was a nice car. It was a nice car. 
Um, you know, I wrote a. I, I was interviewed by the Business Journal and told a story while I was Rotary president of. So during this time, history. you're the president of, of Rotary. You're a trustee at <laughs> Belmont. Yeah. Um, and you know, at the time, a bank executive that yeah. with a high profile. Yeah. yeah. Yet. Yeah. Yeah. You were pulled over for profile because you're a black man in a nice car. Maybe a fluke, but um, you know those things that happen over the yeah. course of a lifetime start to. Happen. You know, and, and I first say, you know, as a w- white person, um, I just can't even relate to that. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, intellectually, I can hear your story and I can sympathize with the feeling that you must have mm-hmm. of what is it going to take? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. what else do I have to do? Right, 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 but I still right, right, emotionally right. can't connect to what that must be like. Yeah. And the frustration and anger and what that does to you on so many levels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a, as a father, mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. for three kids, I mean, mm-hmm. do you worry about that for your kids? I do. Um, you know, when my son was born, so I had two daughters and then my, third is, is, is a boy. Um, I had an immediate, you know, feeling of excitement and gratitude. I think a lot of dads have that feeling when they have their first son. Right. Um, and then almost immediately fear because I knew that there would be assumptions made or, um, you know, judgments called about him before anyone gets to know him just because of what he looks like. I remember you told me, uh, I don't know if you recall this, but I was so struck by it because it was just so poignant, is you were really um, grateful that your parents named you Harry mm, mm. versus uh, a, you know a, a name that may not be as white common right. uh, in, in terms of vocabulary and vernacular. Yeah. Um, because, for example, in resumes yep. or yep. Uh, in selection of any sort, yep. If it's not a Stan or a Harry right. or a Scott, right. but it's you know a name that sounds ethnic, yeah. that all these assumptions are made for sure. And yep. I was I never really thought about yeah. that. Um, and you know I, I don't say that as like proud. I'm actually I, I hate that that's yeah. the reality. Right, you just were pointing um, it out. Right? But you know all the strikes that a black male in America can have yeah. against them, there's one less that I have Yeah. Um, because my name is Harry. Do you find that in um, African-American circles here in town, because of all your success, that you sometimes have a difficult time bonding with the community or are you received exceptionally well? I, you know, th- that's left up to the community. To decide. Yeah. I feel that I um, am really well respected. Okay. Well, you, I mean, in, clearly. In very, I just don't know if there was any kind of odd, um, you know, jealousy. Um, no. Okay. No. I, I mean, everyone's different. I approach, um, you know, my work and my achievement. You know, part of my attitude of gratitude is yeah. giving that back as often as I can. And so. Yeah presenting to elementary school students yep. at career day yep. or getting involved in nonprofits, yep. speaking on panels. These things are a way for me to stay grounded and honest with the community that, you know, yeah, I've achieved some pretty incredible things, yep. but I'm not abnormal or a superhero. Yep. These yep. things can happen. Absolutely. Um, 
So let, let's, I mean, last year you mentioned you didn't grow up in the civil rights, mm-hmm. nor, nor did I. Um, and, but, you know, frankly, living through last year, I think in some ways we did experience the second mm-hmm. phase of, of mm-hmm. civil rights in this country mm-hmm. um, where lots of attention uh, was brought to various forms of injustice yep. and what has been coined as systemic racism. Mm-hmm. Now, that is a buzzword mm-hmm. um, that is very polarizing. So I do want to talk about it. Um, various people have different points of view on it. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to hear your perspective, and I'll weigh in with mine. Mm-hmm. I think we're generally aligned on this. Uh, but what, 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 what was the best thing that came out of that? And do you believe that there's systemic racism? Wow, those are two really big question. <laughs> yes, I believe that there is systemic racism. And I don't believe, I, like when I use that phrase, it's, it, it's not a trigger mm-hmm. for me. I do um, respect that it may be a trigger for others. But, you know, we've talked about bias and yep. resume reviews. Yep. Um, there's a fantastic documentary about public school education in Nashville called By Design, which talks about the intentional and policy um, making efforts that were were made to create some of the equity issues we see even today um, that stems back decades. Um, You know, I I think about, you know, my own um, children's school experience and um, that, you know, in many of our public schools today, it's just as segregated, if not more, than it was It before. feels like we've gone more to segregation yeah. as of late, which is actually, I don't for me, is disappointing. Mm-hmm. I, does that bother you? Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, you know, I think that uh, one of the things that I'm most proud of is my middle and high school experience going to super diverse schools of across section of, of Nashville's community. And you I went think, to Hume Fogg, Hume the Fogg magnet school, Nets. which has yep. amazing reputation. So those yeah. schools were created in part because the city was under a desegregation order. We had okay. we had integrated schools so poorly that right. we had to create innovative ways to, to break that down. Um, that expired, that desegregation order, I think in 2000, 2001. Um, and you look at those same schools I attended and they're right. much less diverse today than they were. Well, and here's my thing that I don't get how people fail to recognize that there is systemic racism. And it, it it's it's essentially if you look at wealth, mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. wealth concentration mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. wealth distribution, mm-hmm. especially across um, ethnicity and race, mm-hmm. is astonishing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it stems from uh, the vestiges of neighborhoods mm-hmm. that are impoverished mm-hmm. and people for understandable reasons tend to not stray from their people right right so right. they are locked into a neighborhood that has depressed yep. property values yep. they're tied to a local school district yep. which is under resourced yep. and underfunded yep. and lacking all of the basic necessities to teach and learn right. and those things are the precursor to advancement whether it be getting into college yep. or getting your first job, and as we know, life's a conveyor belt. Mm-hmm. Get on that belt mm-hmm. early, mm-hmm. and it 
propels you mm-hmm. forward mm-hmm. and you fall off of it, mm-hmm. it's really hard mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. get off. I talked to, you know, Terry Turner yeah. in my yeah. last podcast yeah. and we talked about the whole, you know, different angle of this, but like, you know, for example, if someone gets behind on their child support, the first mm-hmm. thing they do is take away the driver's license. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you go work? Right. And how yeah, do you, absolutely. so it didn't make any yeah. sense, yeah. right? So yeah. the, the, the reality is, you know, there is a uh, inherent problem that is a structural problem that has yeah. been built over decades. That's right. And I think the, the I think what people get charged about, and I say people, I think mm-hmm. a lot of white people, mm-hmm. frankly, is when, and I'm, I'm still thinking through this for my own self, mm-hmm. but, it, you know, is America racist, mm-hmm. right? That, that question, I think, gets people really charged. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, do you think America is racist? Scott, this is so far <laughs> from my expertise, and I, I, there are, you know, just like yeah. lots of elements of history, yeah. there are yeah. Yeah. experts right. in this, right? Yeah. So when I talk, it yeah. is about yeah. one person's experience. No, I know. I, I just, I, I'm yes. asking though, as I, I, mean, I think it's a fascinating question. Right, right. I, right. Again, I'm so still thinking from my own position. Yeah, so right. America... I absolutely love this country. Right. You know, that, for me, that name, that, that it's an idea and a notion, right, right. that we are striving to yeah. bring in, into reality for as many people as possible. It absolutely has not right. been free, you know, for sure. all sure. since the founding right. of this country. We've right. made some significant progress. Yeah. Um, but... You know, I don't know world history um, very well, but it seems that this country made a decision early on to to count certain races as whole people. Right. And the race that I represent right. was like literally not counted. We weren't right. a citizen. Right. You know, we have had to yeah. fight for right to yeah. vote and right for access. Right and right for opportunity and 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 on the basis of race right like so how do you answer the questions no i I think you're raising and that's why i asked i mean i i i think you know in this whole you know the cancel culture and you know some of the 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 programming and you know i can't remember what's the term for history oh uh critical race critical race theory You know, the problem that I have with the critical race theory is it gets mislabeled, right? Like, I think the point of it is teaching history as it occurred, not as it's perceived, right? (laughs) Right? And the reality is there are some really messed up things that have happened Mm -hmm. in this country. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. raising that awareness Mm -hmm. is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it's the opposite. It can be a good lesson and perspective for For which to make better decisions and one of the things i mean whether it's running a company or Mm -hmm. creating a nation like Mm -hmm. america you know creating opportunity for all is an ideal right right that's right you'll 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 probably never get there it's kind of like a a a north star or a vision statement for a business you'll never get to this perfected perfection in, in the future but what you hope is you make progress towards it. Absolutely. And I do feel and like we are, and we have been making progress. Yes. So, yes. And I don't know that we collectively, white, black, mm-hmm. celebrate 
enough of that progress. Yeah, yeah. And I would like to see more of that celebration. Yeah, me too. And I think Nashville in particular, you know, we were an epicenter during the civil rights movement of the 60s, 50s, 60s, and and 70s. Um, You know, Diane Nash, John Lewis... My mom marched with Martin Luther King. Did she really? Um, you know, we need That's to incredible. remember wow. our own right. legacy. And, um, you know, the, this was the epicenter of a lot of that progress. And we need to take that with this world. So I, I say this tongue-in-cheek, but I'm, I think there's an honest question in this. What do white people not get about white people? <laughs> no, it's funny. I, I say that in the sense that, you know, um, I think sometimes white people really miss some fundamental yeah, I things mean, about I, I think it's people. That I'm not saying black people. I mean, of different, you know, brown, yeah, Asian, yeah, yeah. Hispanic, yeah. Uh, black, uh, African American, etc. You know, I, and I, you know, look, I have my privilege. I have yeah. white privilege. I do, and I have had it. And I think understanding that and having an honest and frank discussion with it is yeah. a healthy thing. Yeah. And yeah. trying to gain more understanding of what it's like not to be white, yeah. I think is just a good thing yeah. for personal development and growth. Yeah. That's where yeah. the question yeah. is. Yeah, and, and, you know, what do um, you not understand about being black? I think at the most basic and fundamental level, it's that you. And, and I would clarify, um, you know, white, straight male privilege, right? You sure. don't have to think about it. That's um, a good point. I am always aware yeah. of my difference, right. my race. Um, like every day? It's like an everyday thing. Yeah. yeah. I, every, every, yeah. every... Day. There are moments that I forget, and yeah. I'm just kind of <laughs> moving around. But I, you know, I carry this. I know that I am representing. I don't know in our state how many black organizers or co-founders of a bank have ever existed, and so I'm ever aware. Yeah, I mean, you're a pioneer. That I'm a lot representing, of ways, right? right. Um, you don't have that burden or opportunity. Um, I think that's interesting. I think. That is a fascinating statement, yeah. and I think it is both, right? Yeah. I, I'm, I, you know, on the plus, I don't have to worry about it, but right. I also think it's cool that you get that opportunity yeah. Yeah. to do something that really is pioneering. Yeah. Um, which I, I'm sure. I mean, I can't imagine how proud your your kids as they get older and yeah. they understand. Yeah. Just as you, you said, your mom marched with King. Right. Right. Absolutely. Like, I mean, how proud you must yeah. be of that experience. Yeah. Well, you know. Think about your kids when they learn about what Harry Allen did right. and pioneered in the banking industry exactly and as an executive right. and all the things you've done uh, outside of work and, yep. and uh, to support the community. Yep. And anyway. when something you know happens, like when you know you're in line and someone cuts in front of you or something like yep. that, like you don't have to wonder is right. it because I'm black? You know, right. you probably like is it because that person is rude? Um, right. I'm always questioning. Oh, that's you know, interesting. I, yeah. I'm at the PTA meeting and nobody's talking. And to it may me or may not be because else. of that. It right? may or may not. Or it may or may not be conscious. But the fact that you don't have right. to move ever, through life. Ever think about it. Ever thinking about that. I got my own issues. Uh, <laughs> we all do. That's the beauty. Well, 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 the last section I want to talk about is politics. I, I, I <laughs> no, in part, I mean, I hope... This shit's life. So you usually hear, don't talk about race or politics. Oh, no, we're diving right in. No, that's what I love about you. Listen, 
I think anyone who listens to you, gets to know you, understands what an amazing leader you are and what a treasure you would be to have in the political arena Mm -hmm. because you're not the typical politician. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I'm I'm not asking you to put a campaign together on the fly (laughs) here, but when you think of Nashville, let's just say, oh, mayor, Mm -hmm. um, what what do you think are the opportunities for Nashville that a mayor could influence to the positive uh, development of the city. Yeah, I mean, the mayor is the CEO of the of yeah. city, yeah. right? And so um, it's not very different from the type of leader you would ask of your own organization that you're a part of. But um, is there a vision that's inspiring? Um, you know, is there a use of power to bring as many people? into the prosperity that the city's um, experiencing as, as possible. Um, you know, I think that uh, a, a leader, a strong leader has integrity and, and yeah. character. I don't know how you um, leave without it. You don't, yeah. yeah. I mean, People won't follow you. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I think for not, a city of dynamic, I think people fool, People we can sense for... authenticity, right? Yeah, and exactly. integrity. Yeah, we can yeah. we can sniff it out, especially in yeah. the South. Yeah, like, absolutely. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, a, a city that's that is where Nashville is, which I truly believe is an inflection point. I think will require, you know, a very strong mm-hmm. leader um, who who is not letting the progress get ahead of of um, vision. Right. I don't know, you know, as a native Nashvilleian, it seems like this city is just growing in so many different ways. I don't know where we're going together. And I think that that's um, my my hope for future leadership is that they figure out how to take us somewhere together that looks different from some of the pitfalls other urban centers have, have fallen into. Yeah, and I think, you know, you talk to locals and, of course, they're frustrated by some of the growth Mm -hmm. and what they feel is a change in culture. Mm -hmm. Um, We are being, quote unquote, invaded by Californians, Mm -hmm. uh, people from (laughs) Illinois, uh, people from the tri-state area, uh, and they come here for lots of valid reasons, right? We have a... Four seasons. We have a mild climate, uh, yep. other than the summers, which can be quite odd. A growing job market, like Gr- you can a growing a job, job market. We're yep. a tax friendly state. Yep. Um, friendly but folks people. are being left behind. But and people are about, yeah. yeah. And so, and what do we need to do? Is that an education issue? Is yeah. That, yeah. You know, for me, it's it's been easy to um, be involved in education because I think that's yep. kind of a route to a lot yep. of you know workforce development, yep. public safety, health outcomes. Yep. Are you pro charter school? Yeah, so I was the founding board chair of a charter school. Oh, okay. I, I'm yeah. pro um, providing parents with high quality options for education. Yeah. Yeah. I'm less interested in what type of school that is. Yeah. I have a daughter in private school. Yeah. I've got two in public school. Um, I'm fortunate enough to have options to put them in places that best meet their needs. I think every parent deserves that. Absolutely. Yeah. It's fundamental right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to me, that and healthcare. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, those are just basic um, yeah. humanity uh, issues. Yeah. Um, well, you know, the, the, the Tomorrow's View has mm-hmm. a music theme to it. Mm-hmm. So I have to ask, mm-hmm. uh, what's a favorite song that you like to listen to? And what's one song that'll get you on the dance floor? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so it's not the song, it's how many drinks we have on the floor. Gosh, favorite song. I don't know. It's It, it changes. Um, I mean, right now, I heard this, this song for the first time a few weeks ago. It's probably been out a few years. I don't know. But it was just really, really impactful. Um, Lauren Daigle is the artist. Okay. And the name of the song is Look Up Child. Okay. And there's so much going on right now, Scott, yeah. um, that feels heavy. Right. Um, I try to remind myself that above these clouds, there's always blue sky. Ah, and if we beautiful. just look up and believe that, like at some point, the, the clouds yeah. are going to part. They always do. Yeah. Um, that's hard to remember when you're in the middle of that's a global amazing. pandemic. Um, but I heard that song and it reminded me to, to look up. It also reminded me that I'm a child. I'm still learning. I love that. Yeah. Oh, I can't. Well, I'm gonna go listen to it. All right. It's, now it's for dancing, one. what song do you like to dance to? You know, all all the cheesy karaoke. You know, brick house and yeah, um, all that all that stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm not a I'm not a partier. <laughs> Come on, man! You gotta have some moves. I can see you have some moves. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you ever saw the movie Drumline. Uh, you I, should. I, I did. Is it? Did you, is, yeah. I, okay. I mean, it's a decent movie, but I was yeah. in a marching band. Oh, you were like that in high school, and it surprises people because uh, like, I had a lot of fun. Yeah. Oh my god! So what, what instrument did you put play? me in a uniform yeah. and make me look like everybody else? And you'll get after it. <laughs> what, what instrument did you play? I played trumpet. Wow. Yeah. Is there video footage on the web? Oh, gosh. See, I shouldn't have mentioned that. This <laughs> I is know what I'm going to do now. <laughs> well, Harry, thank you for your time. Thank you. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, and thanks for being open to talking about some tough topics um, that I think, frankly, um, are worth discussing. Yeah. I uh, really am blessed to have you in my life. Uh, I appreciate your insight, your intelligence, your character, your integrity. And just who you are. And I can't wait to see your future. I love working with you. And uh, thanks again for Absolutely. coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank right. you, Scott. Thanks, bud.